Pastor John to take a vacation once a year? <laughs> There's just something so wrong about that. <laughs> Pastor John's a great friend of mine, as well as Pastor Julio. Uh, we've known we've all known each other for for several years. But through that relationship, I learned a lot from Pastor John. I learned a lot from Pastor Julio. And I learned a lot from the people I get to visit with around the country. Uh, I was telling a few folks earlier this morning that I got to preach last week in a French church. Kind of interesting having an interpreter. I get to preach this week. I've been called to Delaware to preach next week. God has a plan for each one of us, and God calls us to do certain things. But how do we know when we're being called? When I was born, I was given a name. I was given a name of Donald Stewart, Donald Orrin Stewart with a junior, to honor my dad, in turn which honored his father as well. Now growing up, there were always those little statements where you love to hear your name. It's unique. In the neighborhood I grew up in, there wasn't another Donald Stewart running the streets. There wasn't another Davister who was my brother. So when mom called out the door, we knew, well, let's see, usually in my case, I was in trouble. I got caught again. This was long before I was saved. <laughs> but I knew by the tone of her voice, either I needed to come home in a hurry, it was lunchtime, it was dinner time, it was time to come in and take a bath, I knew my name. I knew I was being called. But if we consider what a name is, it's just a bunch of letters, maybe even symbols, all put together. They give us a description of a name that is unique to each and every one of us. And most often, whenever you meet somebody, what's the first thing that you recognize from that individual? What do they do? They tell you their name. And as a result of them telling you their name, you start to gather information about that person, specific character traits, the way they speak. Are they a mean person? Are they a kind person? We start to build a database about an individual. So our very first impression that we give someone, what do mom and dad always tell you? First impressions are lasting impressions. Thank you. Does everybody remember that from mom and dad? Oh, come on, show your hands. Don't be afraid. <laughs> There's some old timers out there just like me. <laughs> I'm not that old. I'm, I'm watching you. <laughs> but I've got a question. How did you feel when your mom called your name? Or your dad? Or friends? Did you feel loved? How about just recognized? Was there comfort in knowing that somebody knew your name? Was there security in your name? Because mom and dad... You knew that they were close by, and you knew that they were looking over you and watching out for you. The hardest question, have you ever heard God call your name? What did you do? Did you run like I did when he called you to his service? Did you say, here I am? Or did you say, hmm, nope, not me? You've got the wrong person. I can't do this. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready for this. There is no way that I can get up here and I can talk to other people about God. Do you know all the sins I've committed growing up? How can I be up here as a godly man with all that baggage? 
He knows that we've made mistakes. He knows every one of our sins. Have you listened to God? He knows your name. If we look at our scripture today, in John chapter 10, verse 1 through 16. I'm reading out the NIV Bible, if all you want to follow along or in your Bible. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep's pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other means, is the thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought, all, brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep will follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run. They will run away from him because they do not know or recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was talking about. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gatekeeper. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and go and find pasture. The thief only knows to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep. They are not of the sheep's pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd, says the word of God. So what are we talking about here? If we look at what this scripture is telling us, there's a hireling, a gatekeeper. His whole job was to watch over the sheep. He's watching a gate, and he's to open the gate for the shepherd so he may get his sheep out. So this man is being paid, but does he actually do a job? Now, the shepherd would only enter the gate where the sheep were held, and those who would seek to do harm would enter in by other means, climb over the fence, break the fence down, but the sheep are not going to follow them. They're going to scatter. Has anybody ever watched sheep in a pen? They're pretty well, they just kind of, they're, they're nomads. They just wander around. They just do little sheep things. They stay in their little groups. They're very skittish. But when the shepherd shows up, boy, they, they perk right up, and they know and they recognize that voice, and they just run right to him. It's kind of like a puppy dog, but with a lot of wool. I don't know if you ever smelled a sheep. Anybody ever smell a sheep? They need a bath, don't they? <laughs> but Jesus points that he comes to the fold. Of, he, he's telling us you know, that the, the people of Israel are the sheep. The Pharisees were the false shepherds. And the false shepherds were trying to, they were throwing out all these rules, all this criteria that you had to follow to get to know to God. But the Pharisees never led people to God. Their whole point was, look at me. I'm the important one. All these people are supposed to follow me because I'm a learned one. 
I'm supposed to know the word. But did they ever teach the word to the flock? But Jesus, his point is that to the shepherd, the sheep will follow. To the true shepherd. And if we think about it in today's terms, or more that we know about Jesus, we have a master-disciple relationship. Anybody in here teach a Sunday school class? Okay. How about uh, we've got a women's ministry, men's ministry? Do we build up the people in these classes and these groups? Or do we chastise them and force them away with a bunch of rules? You're going to polish your shoes. You're going to wash your hands. You're going to comb your hair this way. You're going to... But why not? Who would feel comfortable coming into a class like that? Nobody. For a dumb animal, sheep are pretty smart. Jesus uses I am statements. This is the seventh time that Jesus has actually used I am statements when he's speaking. In verses 7 through 10, he's referring to himself as the gate. He's pointing out that he is the way, that he is the way to who? The Father. And only by him. And there's a very similar scripture that comes later in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one, a directive, no one comes to the Father except by who? By Jesus. He's the gatekeeper. If we look at verses 9 and 10, this is that the belief in Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the one and only Son of our Heavenly Father is the only way of being saved of our sins. And I don't know about you all, but I've got a bag full of them. And when I finally came to Jesus, boy, my shoulders felt a whole lot lighter. My luggage was a whole lot lighter. But I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I am perfect. I make mistakes every single day that I've got to repent for. It's like, how can I talk to my daughter like that? Or, boy, I was impatient in that line. Or, I didn't recognize that somebody needed help, and I walked away. Has anybody done that? Just, just throwing it out to you. Jesus talks about the good shepherd. If there's good, there's something else on the other side of that. There's evil, isn't there? He is the good shepherd. Who is the evil shepherd? The Pharisees. Because they weren't leading the people. They were not nurturing the people. They weren't keeping the people safe. It was all about the Pharisees. And when something went wrong, who was the first to leave? The Pharisees left. You're all on your own. I'm sorry. Is that what a leader is supposed to do? Is that what a shepherd does? From what I recall reading within the Bible, the shepherd will stand up to bears, to lions, to other individuals. They will go out and they will hunt their sheep when they're lost, and they will bring them back. The Pharisees say, look how good I am. Look at all these nice robes I'm wearing. I stand before the people. I should be recognized. Oh, for thunder. See ya. We have a problem with some of the Pharisees, don't we? But who's going to change that? Jesus is going to change that for us. It's amazing. Throughout history, in the Bible, there have been many that God has called by name. We had somebody who mentioned that. I think it was Darla. She came up to me and said a good morning today. And talk about her, her Sunday school class. Moses. Does anybody recognize Moses? The name of Moses? All right. 
Moses went to investigate a bush. Boy, it was a funny little bush. It was on fire, yet it wouldn't consume, would not be consumed by fire. And there was a voice that called Moses by name. Now, how does a burning bush call a man by name? How does a burning bush tell a man to take his sandals off before getting closer to that, that bush? There's only one way to do that. That's from our Heavenly Father. He knows us, each one of us. In Exodus 33, chapter 17, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. And for you I found grace in my sight, and I know your name. Does anybody out there long for God to know their name? To have that relationship, that fatherly relationship? Who calls God Daddy? Do you feel comfortable enough to call God Daddy? If not, we can fix that. Because he wants that type of a relationship with you. He doesn't want a relationship that you have, okay, I'm a father, but don't get too close. He wants a relationship where he can embrace you, he can love you, he can encourage you, and he can keep you safe. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. First Samuel chapter 3. The Lord calls Samuel by name. John verse 20. This one's a nice one. Jesus calls Mary, Mary Magdalene. When did he call Mary's name? After he had been crucified. After Mary came to find that the stone had been rolled away. After Mary had not recognized Jesus and thought he was a gardener, he calls Mary. He healed her, and Mary chose to follow Jesus. But she didn't recognize him, but she did know his voice. Amen? Jesus longs to know each one of you by name. The real question is, are we listening? Are we listening when he's calling? Is it the family on the corner? Is it the man that says, can you buy me some food? I'm hungry. Is it the child that says, I'm lost? Can you help me find my mom, my dad? He wants a relationship. He wants to know you. Now, he is a deity. Does he already know you? Yes, he does. But he wants to know you. He wants you close. God knows us perfectly and intimately. He knows all the mistakes that we would ever make. He knows every hair on top of our head. And it was so excellently placed. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know that I want to know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> However, he knows our traits. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our sins. And I'm a sinner. But I do know that regardless of my past, because he has sent one individual, the Good Shepherd, to teach, to lead, to call upon me as a sinner to follow him. Because he hung on a cross, because he shed his blood for me, the only perfect sacrifice. There's only ever been one. We look at all the, the animals that have been sacrificed through time, not one of them was as perfect and pure as Jesus. 
That's how I know I'm saved. I listened for my name. In Ezekiel 34, God condemns the false shepherds. The false shepherds of Israel. He he basically is calling them out for not caring for the flock. But unfortunately for their own personal gains and interests. God has designed us solely for a relationship with him and to serve. He knows what we need and he knows the timing that we need it. He is our creator. We have been designed for that unique purpose of relationship. And we've also been designed not only for relationship with God, but with each other. And how do we relate to one another? What kind of relationship do we have? This goes back to the earlier statement. Do we put each other down or do we try to build each other up? When we know that someone is sick, ill, maybe they've been hurt, maybe they're just down on their luck. Do we step up or do we turn and walk away? I'm stepping on some toes, I know that. I'm stepping on my own. I've done it because I didn't want to be bothered. And all I can do is pray. Pray that he would teach me to know when it's right. That it's not for a wandering sheep who has no desire for a relationship, but may he also teach me when it is a lost sheep seeking to come home, needing that little bit of direction to come back into the fold. God has not left us in a hopeless condition. He loves us unconditionally, regardless of our past and our sins. He's willing to forgive us as long as we are willing to confess and repent. We have to accept his son, and we need to follow his son. Because on our own, we can't do it. We need somebody that knows the way. And God knew once that you chose his son that you would become holy and blameless before him. You would be restored. Amen? Unfortunately, though, here comes the dark side again. We have a choice. We can either accept the invitation or we can walk away and turn from that opportunity. Sometimes we think we know more. Sometimes some of us will read the first chapter of a book and we want to run right to the back end of the book to see how it turns out. Is there anybody in here like that? I don't want to I don't want to rat you out. But God has a plan for us. He wants us to follow a specific journey. There's going to be hurdles that we have to pass. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be good and there's going to be bad that we have to navigate through. But if we just jump to the end, we haven't taken the necessary steps to give us the strength that we're going to need for our day-to-day journey. And we're going to need that information when we finally reach our destination. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God promises, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Let me read that again. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Following God's plan is not to hurt us, it's to build us up. And it's not just for today, it's not just for tomorrow, but we have something to look forward to when we end this race. We have eternity, and we will need those directions and those skills that we have gained through this journey.
Let's face it, we're, we're a mess. We're a mess. We need to count on God, not on ourselves, but we do need like-minded people to help support us in our journey. We need our flock, our family, our church family. That's where we're going to find the help. That's where we're going to find the strength. But ultimately, we're going to call upon God. We're going to call upon pastors. Pastor John, he's going to lead based upon his training. It's difficult to trust others. It's difficult to open up to others and expose your inner, your soul, your mistakes that you've made. And that takes time. But within the community of believers, if you can confess to Jesus Christ, you can confess those eventually to others within your group. But it does take trust. Right now you start with the trust in Jesus Christ. Tomorrow you're going to trust someone else. God doesn't forget. He chooses to forgive. Spend time in God's word. Gathering his many promises. And you will find those that will actually apply to you today. And you will find those that will apply to you tomorrow and the next day. But if you can't spend the time in his word, you're never going to find his promises. You will become disenchanted and you will become that wandering sheep. But that's where the rest of the sheep come in. We can help crawl them back. Or we have to move away and allow the shepherd to go do his job and find that sheep. Let them know their worth. We need to obey God. He knows our past. He knows our present. And he certainly knows our future. He knows what's best for you. And he's going to try and push you away from other things that are not so good for you. Now, have you been reluctant to listen to God and what he's asking you to do? I want you to be a preacher. I want you to be a child worker and to teach our children. I want you to be in missions. I want you. When God said, Don, you're going to be a preacher, I looked at it and said, what? I know you're not speaking to me. So he'll wait a little bit longer. Hey, Don, I want you to be a preacher. Anybody else hear that? You're crazy. I want you to be a preacher. I want you to go after these specific people. God originally called me not to be inside four walls. He called me to go out and talk to people who have never walked through a door of a church. What happens if I tell you hell's angels are outside? You get a little nervous? How about outlaws, hell's angels, mongols? There's some pretty scary people. That's who he called me to go after. He said, yep, you're big, you're ugly, you're scary. But I'm going to equip you with a rod and a staff and carry it on that bike. You know when you stand up to a guy that's 315 pounds, 6 foot 6, hell's angel, you feel kind of small. You stand toe-to-toe to that individual. You feel mighty small. But you know what? didn't feel small that day because I had something in common with that individual. It wasn't God. It was a motorcycle at that time. God came next. So when you're afraid and you're questioning what God asked you to do, step out on faith. If you're afraid and you're on your own, call upon the name of Jesus. Call upon him as your Lord and Savior. Call upon Jesus to be your guide, to keep you out of the pitfalls, to keep you on the straight and narrow. But again, here comes the question. Will you listen? Let me say that again. Will you listen in the name of Jesus when you're called to his service? 
to be a servant, to provide for others, to give that helping hand, to provide the love and compassion that he strives. Will you listen and go into the world and preach the gospel? We've all been called, but we've all been called differently. He has a specific test. I can't sing unless they chain the doors and give you earplugs because your ears will bleed. So I don't come up here and sing. I leave that to the professionals. Believe it or not, I used to stutter really bad when I got in front of people. I couldn't say one sentence without a bunch of... God gave Moses the strength to go see Pharaoh. God can change stuttering to speak to people. He can give people a voice to sing, to present his word. He can use from the youngest to the oldest. Mentors and the willing to receive. Would you stand with me? I'm going to open up the altar one last time for everyone. And we're just going to close with prayer here. Dear Heavenly Father, will you help us to listen? If you call us, help us to come. And if you're here in the audience today, I'm asking you, if you do not know Jesus Christ, I ask you to come forward. I ask you to come to the altar. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, Savior today, your personal Savior. If you need a renewal, you want to renew that commitment to Jesus, please come to the altar. Please raise your hand. We'll recognize you there where you are. But we ask you, Father, that you would just help us to hear your voice when you call us. Help us to understand the message that you are giving us. Help us to receive your word. Help us to follow the true shepherd. Restore our hearts. Give us new sight today. We ask, Father, that you would just touch each member here, that you would allow your spirit to flow through them, to provide the courage that's required to step out and accept that call. The courage to support others who have been called. And Father, we just ask for your guiding light to be ever present upon us that we would always know of your presence. And through that presence, may we be a beacon in the darkness for others as you have taught us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.